And whether they were in the body or out of the body, they could not tell. For it did seem unto them like a transfiguration of them, that they were changed from this body of flesh into an immortal state, that they could behold the things of God. 3 Nephi chapter 28, verse 15. Hello listeners, this is Nick from Book of Mormon Central. And today's podcast addresses the question, how was the transfiguration of Jesus and the three Nephites a temple-like experience? The Synoptic Gospels record that Jesus was transfigured in the presence of his three apostles, Peter, James, and John. These accounts agree with each other on the general details of what transpired at the transfiguration. It took place on a high mountain. It included Peter, James, and John as witnesses. Jesus' countenance and clothing shone white. Moses and Elijah, Elias, appeared. Peter offered to build tabernacles for Jesus, Moses, and Elijah, Elias. A cloud overshadowed the participants and a voice was heard declaring, This is my beloved Son, hear him. The disciples were overcome in fear or awe at what they heard and witnessed. The disciples were sworn to secrecy about what happened. The individual gospel accounts offer slightly differing details that add to this episode. For instance, the Gospel of Matthew reports that the voice out of heaven, God the Father, declared not only that Jesus was his beloved Son, but that he was well pleased with him. Luke reports that sleep came upon the three disciples during part of the event, perhaps because of the exertion that sometimes accompanies divine visitations or manifestations, and that the three awoke to behold Jesus' glory and the two heavenly beings who stood with him. Only Matthew says that Jesus touched them and bade them arise. The Gospels of Matthew and Mark both record that it was Jesus himself who swore the disciples to secrecy about what transpired on the occasion, a detail absent in Luke's report, although Mark and also Luke affirm that they told no one the things they had seen. Restoration Scripture offers insight into this episode. A revelation received by the prophet Joseph Smith in 1831 clarified that we have not yet received the full account of what occurred at the Transfiguration, but that it apparently included a vision granted to the disciples of the final celestialization of the earth. A textual variant in the Joseph Smith translation of Mark chapter 9 also raises questions about who it was precisely that appeared to Jesus at the transfiguration. The name Elias, as it appears in the Greek New Testament, is simply the Greek rendering of the name Elijah. However, the Joseph Smith translation reading of this verse in Mark, together with the explanation in Matthew chapter 17, indicate that the disciples understood that Jesus spake unto them of John the Baptist, and also of another who should come and restore all things. It may be that John the Baptist and Moses were the ones at the transfiguration rather than Elijah and Moses. In addition, the name Elias can refer to several messengers who are called to act in the capacity of an Elias, a forerunner or preparer. Perhaps then, John the Baptist, Elias, came to prepare Jesus to be received into the presence of the translated prophets Moses and Elijah. This reading would be in harmony with how Elias is used broadly as a type for forerunner or for one who comes as a restorer in Joseph Smith's revelations and in the New Testament and even other 19th century Christian literature for that matter. Another occasion of transfiguration is recorded in the Book of Mormon. Here the resurrected Lord was not the one transfigured. He had already been glorified. 
but three of his chosen disciples in the New World experienced a similar transfiguring event, including a greater fullness of blessings than circumstances had allowed Peter, James, and John to receive in the middle of Jesus' Galilean ministry. As recorded in 3 Nephi, after his previous appearances among the righteous people at the temple in Bountiful, the resurrected Jesus visited privately with his twelve New World apostles and offered them the opportunity to ask something of him after he had returned back to the Father. Three of those Nephite disciples wanted to ask, but durst not speak unto Jesus the thing which they desired. Jesus, however, knew what they desired. Behold, I know your thoughts, and ye have desired the thing which John, my beloved, who was with me in my ministry, before that I was lifted up by the Jews, desired of me. In other words, Jesus knew that these three disciples desired to tarry until Jesus come in his glory, and thereby be able to prophesy before nations, kindreds, tongues, and people. In response to this righteous desire, Jesus promised the three Nephite disciples that they would never taste death, which Christ had by then overcome, that they would live to behold all the doings of the Father unto the children of men, that they would never endure the pains of death, but when Jesus shall come in his glory, they shall be changed in the twinkling of an eye from mortality to immortality, that they would not have pain while they shall dwell in the flesh, neither sorrow, save it be for the sins of the world that they would have a fullness of joy and sit down in the kingdom of the Father, that they should be one with Jesus and the Father. These remarkable promises of divine transformation were then followed by a glorious vision. In this vision, the heavens were opened, and they, the three Nephite disciples, were caught up into heaven and saw and heard unspeakable things, and it was forbidden them that they should utter. Neither was it given unto them power that they could utter the things which they saw and heard. The text in 3 Nephi goes on to explicitly call this event a transfiguration twice, and comments that the three Nephite disciples were changed from this body of flesh into an immortal state that they could behold the things of God. Although he wanted to write more about this incident, including the names of the three Nephite disciples, Mormon was forbidden to do so. What he was allowed to say was that the three Nephite disciples are as the angels of God, and if they shall pray unto the Father in the name of Jesus, they can show themselves unto whatsoever man it seemeth them good. The shared elements in these transfiguring events reported in the Synoptic Gospels and in 3 Nephi invite the question, can a wider pattern of sacred temple features be discerned as standing behind these two encounters with the divine? And why would the holy temple of ancient Israel be a point of common origin linking them? Because the law of Moses and the temple in Jerusalem were foundational for both the Jews in Galilee and the Nephites in Bountiful, one should not be surprised to find Moses and the holy temple of ancient Israel as a precedent in both of these spheres. Indeed, the New Testament accounts of Jesus' transfiguration shares several elements with Moses' encounter with God on the mount as well as other Jewish motifs. The most obvious of these are the high mountain setting, Jesus being accompanied on the high mountain by three companions, a cloud overshadowing the scene, a divine voice coming out of the cloud, and Jesus' changed countenance and white clothing. The fact that Moses himself was one of the personages who appeared to Jesus and the disciples during the transfiguration leaves little doubt that the gospel writers wanted their readers to thematically link the supernal experience of the Old Testament lawgiver 
and prophet Moses with that of Jesus. Additionally, the element of Peter wanting to build tabernacles for Jesus, Moses, and Elias or Elijah further associates this episode with the temple. The Greek word used to describe the tabernacles Peter wanted to build, skini, is the same word used in the ancient Greek translation of the Hebrew Bible for the tabernacle of Moses. A few scholars have even suggested parallels between the transfiguration and the Jewish Feast of Tabernacles. Christians through the centuries have also recognized the significance that the transfiguration of Jesus held for the doctrine of theosis, or deification, the teaching that Christ's disciples had the potential to become like God. Several elements in the transfiguration narrative were linked to the glorious transformation of believers at the time of Jesus' return in early Christian literature. As one scholar noted, this sense of transformation, theosis, can be detected in the account of the transfiguration. Likewise, temple and deification themes are also unmistakable in the transfiguration of the three Nephite disciples, such as the three Nephites being promised that they would enjoy a fullness of joy and sit down in the kingdom of the Father, where they would be one with Jesus and the Father. The detail that the three Nephite disciples were caught up into heaven and saw and heard unspeakable things, things that were forbidden them that they should utter, additionally links this passage to the temple and the process of becoming like God. Although we can only glimpse a small part of the power and expansiveness of each of these transfiguration experiences of Moses, Jesus, and the three Nephites, we can begin to absorb more of their spirits of holy promise into our souls as we embrace and interlace them all. Little wonder that the Savior, Moses, Elijah, and another Elias, John the Baptist, would choose to appear to Joseph Smith and Oliver Cowdery in the Kirtland Temple when the time came to restore important priesthood keys. These keys would enable the prophet to restore the ordinances of the temple, gather the house of Israel, and make available again the blessings of Abraham, thus providing God's children the opportunity to return back to their father's presence and partake of eternal life, exaltation, and a fullness of joy. Thank you for listening. To find out more, please visit bookofmormoncentral.org and then click on Know Why.